fans welcome back to another episode of the canucks conversation my name is chris Faber. joining me now after staring at the television for eight hours straight watching draft day number two david quadrelli quads how's it going buddy good but that that draft coverage was tough hey like like watching that that was tough like these guys coming out every oh this guy's got a good bloodline let me tell you his dad played roller hockey and it's like man like tell me about the player you know what i mean and they were doing this in the second round and then i turned on TSN 1040 and there's JD Burke talking about like a seventh round player he's like oh yeah i've watched a lot of this guy it's like really like these guys haven't watched third round players it seems it was like oh man anyways yeah, yeah. after 2 days of some some questionable draft coverage and some weird things being said about the players, like the small fridge thing. Did you hear that beer, one? Yeah, small the beer, beer fridge. The small beer fridge. It was like, yeah, okay. That tells me a lot about a player. Is that Sam Cosentino? It is, it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I also, got asked by somebody, does Sam Cosentino have Twitter? Because they wanted to get mad at him on Twitter. <laughs> somebody DM me that. Um, but yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he was ready for it. And... Um, yeah, it was an interesting couple of days. Very long, man. Like, they started mm-hmm. at 8.30 in the morning. They didn't finish till just after 4. Okay, so we had class at 12. So people who've listened to this show for a long time, you know, we're both BCIT students. We had class at 12, okay? I thought it was going to be done by that time. Like, the draft started at 8.30. I went mm. to the second, day two. I went yes, uh, yesterday, last year, when it was in Vancouver. Man, the whole draft was done in, like, three hours. And this one, it's like... Two and a half hours, it's like, all right, we're done the second round. And I, I the whole like, second round took oh. over an hour. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It so did. that was that was a long time. It was a lot to oh. handle and, and yeah, it was you know, day one was funny because it was like Brian Burke brought up fishing stories about every single player that got <laughs> drafted. And then day two it just felt like everybody was related to somebody who played hockey at some yep. level and it was just like okay the coverage on the nhl network was not as good as it was on sports no, no, and no, tsn like you know i like when tsn covers the drafts i just think they do a better job i think they have better people and unfortunately we got the worst of both ends of the stick <laughs> because on day one tsn didn't have it because all the tsn guys are down uh in in the states with the hockey or nhl network i think this is what they were working yeah with, with nbc i think nbc yeah. right so that's what we got on the first day i have to watch Sportsnet, and then day two we actually just get the nhl network and don't even get the good people <laughs> from Sportsnet. so yeah interesting couple of days the canucks came out of it um looking pretty good in my books i know you were you were looking for a goaltender you wanted a goaltender pretty bad something that you could break down that was kind of uh our deal, I guess, as talking to the um, prospects of the Canucks drafted because the PR group for the Canucks sent them out to all of us in the media to talk to. And the rule was that we kind of came up with was I was going to talk to players. You only wanted to talk if it was a goaltender. So yeah. um, it was a fun conversation. But yeah, no goaltender uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. But I am happy. I wanted defensemen, and they got three of them. And I'm pretty happy with that. The center that they got was pretty exciting to watch, the Russian center. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to add some prospects to my viewings in the morning, especially, um, 
you know, looking at some players that are playing overseas right now, it's going to be fun to kind of add them into the repertoire and uh, see what they got. I'm excited for it, man. I think they did a good, I think they had a good day all in all, to be honest. Oh, that was a great draft. You, you asked JD Burke, who everybody thinks just hates the Canucks. And he said the Canucks had a really good draft. Like they took a lot of home run swings in this draft. And I mean, I like that kind of move. Like I like when they go for the guys with a ton of upside that maybe they don't work out, but they've got the upside. So maybe they will work out. Right. And I mean, you look at players like say Braden Point, for example, people didn't know if he was going to be a player, but then he worked out and what happened, right? You look, he went in the third round, whatever. You know, they went with a bunch of guys like that. And I mean, no, they didn't go with any undersized players. They went on the opposite side of that spectrum. Yeah, but aside from the Russian, the Russian's small. Yes. They, I think they have him at 5'11. I was watching clips of him just quickly when they drafted him. Yeah, I don't know if he's 5'11. <laughs> he's, he's small. So, um, but he looked pretty skilled. He was hey, scoring a lot of goals in the uh, MHL, anyways. We're going to get to them losing a short king, but they drafted a new short king, which is very good for short kings like myself everywhere. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, they drafted one. We are going to talk a little bit. We're, I think we're going to talk about the draft for a little bit of the first half of this episode. We're going to take break, and then we have some stuff to discuss uh, in the second half of the episode. Obviously, the big one being that the Canucks did not give a QO uh, qualifying offer to Troy Stetcher, uh, which is unfortunate. Local kid. We heard Jim Benning talk about it a little bit in the presser after the draft as well. We'll get into all that, but I think I want to get started right with the draft, and I want to go into the first guy that the Canucks selected in the third round. Uh, Joni Germo out of Finland, a left shot defenseman, big bodied guy. Um, quickly saw a little bit of clips from him. Excited to follow him, like I said, in the Liga. As the season starts to go on here, he's playing for Jokerit, uh, I believe is how you say it, in the Finnish Liga. We'll have to get him to uh, tell us how to say that when he comes on the show eventually. Uh, Speaking of which, can I can I hit the button? Can I show people? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, yeah, so long-time listeners of the show, you know that Chris and I don't really know how to say Rogel, the club that Niels Hoaglander plays for. So or Elias. Had... Huh? Or Elias. What do you mean? Elias Pettersson? Yeah, apparently I don't. I say Elias Pettersson all the time. It's not Elias. I say Elias. I say Elias all the time. It's not. I get not. it all the time. And you know what Harmon and Durant say is Elias. That's, Elias. Yeah, no, I don't like that. Okay, well, but anyways, continue on. Do it. Anyway, you, you worked up the whole soundboard. Anyway, here. We, we spent yeah. our Patreon money on this board, and we're finally using yeah. it. So Aside I've from set up... doing my favorite drop. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Grant. So yeah, if you listen to the end of our episodes, every episode, maybe the past eight episodes, has ended with that, that little clip that Chris pushed. But this clip here is Nils Hoaglander finally ending the debate on how to say the name of the team he plays for. Gregler. Regler. Regler. Do you right. hear that? Yep, we got him to say it three times in a row for us. Yes, Regler. I was like, Niels, can you do that again? Yep, one more time for me. Give, give me that yeah, again. Just give us three quick ones in a row there, Niels. <laughs> so you gave us that. That's where we're at. Okay. But yes, it's Regler. We have, we it's have Regler. that. Regler. Okay, we'll see. Um, <laughs> still going to screw it up. But I know, um, we're gonna looking at Rogel. another name that we're gonna, probably going to screw up. And to be honest, today I kind of forgot his name going into the post. Uh, we talked to Todd Harvey, um, who is the director of scouting, I guess, now for the Vancouver yep. Canucks. I don't know if that's his job. But anyways, he was thrown out to the media. And Joni Germo, the third-round pick, first pick for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm excited to see what this kid can do. He oh, um, Joni. It's Yoni. Is it? It's pronounced Yoni. Okay, well, I'm, so like I said, I'm going <laughs> to mess it up all the time. It's going to be Joni when he gets over here anyways. <laughs> Joni. Or Johnny, maybe. I don't know. Johnny, oh my gosh. That's what it's going to be. Don Cherry and Brian Burke are going to call him. Johnny, Johnny Germo. Johnny Germo. Good finish kid. Plays a North American game. But no, he, yeah, big left shot guy. Six foot four. Big finish defenseman. Uh, playing right now in the Finnish league of the top league. He's got two games so far. Which is good, exciting news, the fact that he's moved up to that level and he was available for the third round pick. A lot of scouts had him a lot higher than where he landed for yes. the Canucks at 82. And I think that was the big thing that a lot of people saw right away was at first people were like, okay, who was this guy? We didn't cover, like when we were doing draft profiles, whatever, we didn't have his name in there because nobody thought he was going to be there at third. Even J.D. Burke tweeted out, he was like, I didn't even consider him because... I didn't even think he would go anywhere near the third round. So then again, you also wonder, okay, why did this guy slide? You know, there's a few holes. I've I've seen people talking about different weaknesses in his game. Apparently, he's not really physical. Uh, he plays kind of like a Tyler Myers in the sense of he really likes to move the puck and he likes to skate. Uh, he likes to skate up with the puck. But man, you look at what the Canucks struggled to do in the playoffs, and it's just so evident that you need guys who can break the puck out of your own zone, right? Like, yeah. they don't have that much. They have Quinn Hughes, obviously. Uh, but they, they need guys like that. And I mean, when you look at who they drafted in terms of defensemen, it's kind of they're all following that pattern, which I think is a good thing. And speaking of Quinn Hughes, we got to talk about the fifth round selection that they picked 
uh, in Jacob Truscott, whose nickname better be Trisket or Cracker or something. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be a great nickname. Maybe not Cracker. Well, Trisket, Cracker, come on. Just Trisket. Okay, either or. <laughs> it's uh, He is a huge fan of Quinn Hughes. He's a Michigan kid. He's going to Michigan um, next year. And what he said was like some of the players that he looks up and tries to mold his game yeah. after and his favorite players in the NHL, Quinn Hughes. So <laughs> this is this is pretty awesome that he's doing that. Uh, he's a big fan of Tyler Ma. He's a Michigan kid, right? So he's watched Michigan play for a long time. Uh, he said he's been a fan for a while, which is kind of cool to hear. And then the other American we'll just touch on as well, Jackson Coons. Cuns. We're not really decided, like, decided on how Coons. to pronounce that one yet. I'm on, I will get it very soon as I talk to some people from uh, that cover the USHL and the United States National Team Development Program a little bit more. Uh, but that's exciting. Back-to-back Americans there in the fourth and fifth round. And, yeah, I from the little things that I've heard, Coons is a big guy. Uh, Truscott is a guy that, I guess, moved the puck, moves the puck pretty well. The strength that I heard from him is just his passing and his vision, so that's exciting. These guys are going to be fun to see play in the NCAA, right? Like that's, that's where you really get to see these guys start mm-hmm. to develop and like play and come into their own and show their strengths and weaknesses. So that's the exciting thing. Like looking at a lot of these players, you want them to be at like the highest level so that you can see how they kind of stack up against people, their age or people older than them or professional hockey players. And that's what you're going to see. I mean, Germo's going to be over in the uh, finished Liga. That's going to be a decent competition for him to be in. Both of the Americans are going to be moving on to NCAA hockey. Uh, I believe after this season that's happening right now because one of them is staying with the green Bay gamblers, which I should look this up, but I don't have the computer in front of me. Uh, Dimitri Zolid slow Dev Dimitri slow Show me the name. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Slow Dev. I did the not center. look that's the, under, that's the under, I just knew center. they got a Russian center that started with Z. Should have practiced this. So he's an undersized center, but he looked like he had a decent amount of plays in the MHL, which are good. And a lot of his goals came against SKA's MHL team, which for people who don't know, um, there's like one division. I think it's the East division in the, in the MHL, which is just stacked. Like all the teams are really good in the East. And the best of the bunch is that SKA team, the Ska team over there that they have for their junior league. And the fact that he was putting up points against Ska was kind of impressive. He's playing against the best players in that league, and he was putting up good points. So that's nice for them. And then the final pick that they got, Victor Person. Um, which is going to be, you know, I was hoping for Brock Faber because I was going to have a lot of fun with the titles. You're going to have a lot of fun with the titles with the guy whose last name is Person or Pearson. Yeah. Big right-handed defenseman too. Like big right-handed Swede, Swedish defenseman. Again, ton of upside. Like these guys, they're going after guys who just have a chance of blossoming into something special, right? Like it's not a sure thing. Nowhere near is it a sure thing that any of these guys are going to even make the NHL, right? But again, if you're hitting on like two of these picks, when you're picking from the third to seventh round, you take that, right? And they went with guys with big upside. I respect it, man. I think it was a good draft for them. I think it was a good draft strategy to just go with guys with huge upside. And I don't know. I was I was really happy with that. And I mean, you know, when we're talking to these guys, some of them seem really like, like even... Even the first first guy they drafted, our friend Johnny, there he he was really well spoken, really articulate. Like he really wanted to, you know, in it kind of like Elias Pettersson, where he wants to say the right thing, even though he doesn't speak English that well. Like he wants to say the right thing. He seems like a smart kid. I'm excited for him to come over here. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I and, thought his English was pretty good. Exactly, and he plays NBA 2K. So oh. Man, I was excited when I, yeah, I got three questions into him. Uh, that was actually, awesome. To start off the day, I was like, wow, I like I rarely get called for questions, and I got three into him. So that was kind of cool to hear. Uh, he he skates with Miro Heiskinen in the off season. I was kind of just like creeping on some of his social media, and like he liked pretty much every tweet that the Dallas Stars tweeted out mm-hmm. about Miro Heiskinen. So he's a guy who skates with Heiskinen in the off season. They're from the same small town um, in Finland, so that was kind of cool to read up on him. And he also. Uh, likes to mold his game after Eric Carlson was one of the players that mm. he likes to play off, which is interesting for a guy who's six foot four. But like you mentioned, he's not like a big physical six foot four yeah. guy. He's more of a Move guy that, that, you know, Tyler Myers type puck mover, big body. So the skating was the thing that I heard a lot of people say. A lot of the scouts were talking about, he's got really good skating and um, you know, that's exciting to see because that's, that's the NHL in the future, man. You got to be a really good skater. Otherwise you're not even going to be in these drafts anymore. So Good, good day for the Canucks. Um, it's just an awesome day to like have more people to do research into. Like, I'm not going to talk like I know a lot about these players, really. I I don't think I've, I think I've seen Jacob Trescott's name before. 
Uh, but I, I did not hear about any of these players before going into this. They weren't on my list. They weren't players that I did a lot of research in. Um, so now that it, now is like the fun time. The next day, like I mentioned that, I think I tweeted it out on Twitter, but like the Thursday is going to be a content day. Thursday is going to involve a lot of going back on hockey TV and watching a lot of these players, getting as much footage as I can um, from the Finnish Liga as well, talking to a lot of people. So I'm going to feel a lot more informed, I feel like, on Saturday's episode. We're recording this right after the draft. So like we, we've just kind of going off of the, uh, the seat of our chairs. I don't know the, the saying well, for that. If I can interject here, I, I took the broadcast approach of no stats, just vibes. And I looked at uh, Jackson Kuhn's Twitter. Scrolled down. Guy was retweeting when the Sedins retired. Uh, he said he was a Canucks fan. First, he said, yeah, I've been a Canucks fan for as long as I could remember. And then like, oh, how did that happen? He goes, oh, yeah, you know, when uh, when Troy Stetcher and Brock Besser came to the Canucks, that's when I started to be a real fan. I was like, okay, so that was only like four years ago, but yeah, go off. And anyways, he's so he's a Canucks fan, and now he just got drafted by them. It's pretty cool. And you can, he's not just saying that because you can go back and look his Twitter. He had stuff about Besser, uh, UND, which is where he's playing now. Uh, and yeah, he had stuff about the Sedins retiring. Which, dude, anybody who respects the Sedins, that's that's a vibe right there. No stats, just vibes. Yeah, most definitely. That's a great pick for the Canucks, and, and it's cool to see both of the Americans. One was born in Michigan; he's going to Michigan University, uh, and then the other one born in North Dakota, and he's going to the University of North Dakota. So interesting that they're staying at home. It seems like a lot of these American players end up doing that. Um, and yeah, I think that any player that you really get from the United States National Team Development Program, um, and that's what, who I'm talking about with Jacob. True Scott, um, Truscott, Truscott. <laughs> Anyways, um, the, I mean, you're getting a player that's getting trained at one of the best levels that you can be at, and you're getting some of the best training and facilities at that age. And I think that a lot of these guys that are coming out of the United States National Team Development Program, like they are, they're very well trained to go on to the NCAA, and then from there, it's just kind of like that's when they get to show their skills. Like they're going to be, they're being created to be NCAA players when they're in that program. And from there on, it's just like, can they explode onto something else now? So it's going to be interesting to watch him play, and I'm excited to just follow his career for a little bit here. And on the topic of Jackson Coons, you know I wanted to play this. When you asked this on the Zoom call, I lost my mind. Here it is. Faber connects with me. Hey, Jackson. Welcome to Vancouver. Um, just looking at your season last year, you have 69 points in 45 games. That's a nice year for you. I'm just curious. Um, you got 40 goals in that year. Is it safe to say that shooting the puck is your favorite thing to do? Um, yeah, in a sense, I guess kind of most of my goals came from around the net kind of rebounds and just quick plays down low. So I'm not really a sniper, but I mean, I can put the puck in the net. What an exhilarating answer. So yep. much energy. Big time Brock Besser vibes there on that. <laughs> Holy uh, cow. That but uh, no, from what I heard about him, he's a similar player to what uh, Jonah Gadjevich kind of does. So, you know, maybe in a couple of years, if he's down in the AHL, that would be something we can follow and, and keep an eye on. So if he's a guy who gets a lot of goals from around the net, sign me up for it. Uh, but he's a guy who's coming out of high school hockey. So, I mean, like, yeah, he scored 40 goals in 45 games. He also was playing against high school players that, you know, it, it's a lower league. You really got to stick out. Obviously, something did for the Vancouver Canucks because they went with their second pick in the draft, which was a fourth round pick, and decided to pick up Jackson Kuhn. So, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what he looks like at the next level because it's hard. Like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm even going to go back and watch a lot of his high school tape, maybe a little bit just to see what I can find. But, like, he's playing against high school competition, so he's going to score a goal every single game, and he's going to dominate a lot of defenders just strictly because he's a better skater and bigger and phys- more physical than all of them. But uh, he was in, he was cool to talk to as well. I think I, I asked him the question as well if he played football before. Yes. Um, or no, I, like I knew he played football, so I asked him uh, if he brings his football mentality onto the ice, and he said actually last year they did a thing where they had to choose a comparable as an NFL player, and if you don't know who this is, Derrick Henry is an absolute monster of a running back uh, for the Tennessee Titans, and that's who he compared himself to, and his coach said the same thing. So that was kind of a cool comparison. Uh, Derrick Henry is an absolute truck if you don't watch the NFL. He's like one of the biggest running backs in the league, so... Uh, that's that's a cool comparison, and yeah, maybe he does bring a little bit of that aggressiveness with his size. He's a big kid at six foot three, so it'd be is, interesting to see. What a strange exercise to make your high school hockey team do. Yeah, that's isn't yeah. that kind of weird? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where that was. Big was boy happening. hockey, baby. Everybody play like football players. Yeah, when Jackson comes on the show, we will uh, we'll have to dig into that a little bit deeper for sure. Because uh, yeah, very interesting situation to get to that point. So I'm not really sure, but yeah, like to wrap up the draft. Um, 
going into it without a first and a second round pick, you got to look at what they got and what they came out of here and the potential of some of these kids and what the draft uh, gurus are all really saying right now. And you got to be happy, but I'm sure that every NHL team ha- is like pretty happy right now. I know Minnesota had a heck of a draft. Oh yeah, San Jose had a pretty good draft as well. So that was awesome. What they did think- for Aussie Weisblatt. That, that was, was awesome. really cool. Yeah, that was that was like oh, I, feel, I felt bad too because I like I I stopped watching the draft at some point in like the 25th pick because it was like oh man like this is three hours in already yeah, at this yeah. point I can't do it anymore. And then I saw it on Twitter, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like. The Canucks aren't going to be getting an A plus grade like some of these other teams. They maybe you know picked up a ton of players in the first ninety picks, but for the situation that Jim Benning had put them in by trading away picks, um, it's not horrible. I mean, they came out no. here looking pretty good. Yeah, I'd get, I'd give them an A, maybe not an A plus. I think you have to have all your picks to get an A plus in a draft. But for what they had, I think they did. Like, I don't think they could have done much better. Yeah, I'll, like I'll give them a. I think I would give them a B just because. Um, I thought that there were some players that they wanted. Uh, a couple players didn't fall to them in the spots that they were hoping for. Longquist, can we talk about goalies, please? I've been dying. All right, let's talk about goalies. I'll, okay, I'll let you, go you know how much I like Joel Blomquist, and that was the Canucks guy. You know, we were talking about it on the show. They were like, I, we knew that they had a guy. We just didn't know who it was, and we knew that they may be trading up for him, and they were hoping he could fall to them in the third round. That didn't happen. Drew Camesso went first, and... Then it became apparent that Joel Blomquist was the guy. Uh, again, I think Drance reported it as well, and so did J.D. Burke. Uh, like PJ as well. PJ, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Once you saw all three of those guys between them, I was like, okay, this this was the guy. Yeah, for sure. exactly. So I really liked Blomquist, and I th- was really hoping the Canucks would be able to get him. Uh, I know Ian Clark was really high on him, and it's really too bad that they didn't, but... That's also part of the reason why you ended up having to do all the Zoom calls was because my draft prep was literally just looking at goaltenders and learning about all the goaltenders. And like I was watching a ton of tape on these goaltenders. And now I can drop my hot take now that these people are drafting and I won't feel bad about it. Are you ready for my hot take, Chris? Sure, man. Askarov isn't the best goalie in the draft. There's my mic drop moment. Okay. Guy who went top 15 isn't the best goalie in the draft. Blomquist is. That's my hot take. But... Now that uh, now that Blomquist doesn't get to work with Ian Clark, we'll see because I don't know much about the Pittsburgh goaltending coach situation. Dang. So you're betting against the 18 year old who just got Player of the Week in the KHL with three games with like I think four goals against okay. him. In yeah, you know what? Let me explain. Incredible. Let me explain why. Askarov, I think, is a really like a really okay, let me really explain good why. Goalie. Let me explain why. So his stance is really wide. Okay, unless that gets yeah. cleaned up, he's not going to have success at the NHL level with the East West style of play. He can't move fast enough, but he's so explosive is the thing. So yes, he can move fast enough but he won't be able to move fast enough at the NHL level, if that makes sense, okay? So when he when you watch these games that he's played or whatever, his rebound control is really bad. Like, it, it's so bad, dude. And then a lot of his big highlight reel saves is just a decent shot that he saves, but he kicks it out right to a, another forward, and then he has to sprawl across and make this highlight reel save. Well, yeah, that looks great on a highlight reel, but what if that's not a 17-year-old trying to bury it? You know what I mean? And like he struggled well, he's playing at, against men. Like he's, he's playing played against three the three games. KHL he's played team. three games in the KHL. He's yeah, played three and he got games. player of the week that week. Yeah, he had a hot week. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. This guy unless he cleans it up, his rebound control is something to be really concerned about. And nobody's talking about it. But I watched the okay. video and I, I asked Kevin Woodley about it and he told me he said the same thing and got a bunch of and eye you're rolls. You're higher on Bloomquist who's playing in what the second Finnish division. I know I was over much the higher. Russian guy who's playing. I was KHL much higher. Players, yeah, potentially the you, second best. I'm league telling in, you, in the from world. a straight from a straight technical standpoint, Bloomquist oh, is better than Askarov. Facing shots that are probably sixty percent as hard. 70% as hard as what he is in the KHL. I, yep, don't, I, don't, that's fair. I don't buy it. I'll t- I think you know Askarov what? is going to be a good goaltender. We'll look 10 years down the road and see what happens. Yeah, this will be really Where did Blunquist land anyways? Blunquist went 57th or 52nd Pittsburgh to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. The fact that I know that because I was just watching the draft hoping that he'd fall to the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then I'd be the Blunquist guy in this market. I'm still the Blomquist guy in this market. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's a big market year. Nobody, nobody cares, though. That's no, the problem. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll wrap up our draft talk. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff over the next little bit, especially like I'm going to start including some of these guys in the prospects report, um, you know, getting back into some more NCAA hockey, which is something I didn't really do last year. But this year, we'll be back on the hockey TV and back on the um, the other streaming service, which I have to look into for NCAA hockey. We'll be back on those guys. They'll be a part of the prospects report at the end of every episode. Uh, Yoni Yermo is going to be one 
one guy that I'll be talking about a lot because I'll be able to wake up and watch the finished Liga. So that'll be exciting. Um, and yeah, we'll just kind of move forward with that. Victor Person as well. Pearson Person. Uh, that one we'll work on for the name as well. Uh, but he's going to be a guy that you'll be hearing about in the prospects report. Those two guys are overseas. Dmitry Zlodiev. I'll work on that one. I'll work on the name, and I'm also going to work on watching him because I think he's a he's a curious little guy. So I'm I'm excited to see what he want what he is potentially going to bring to the Vancouver Canucks um, as a center and a goal scorer. That's kind of a cool situation. So we are going to wrap up our draft talk there. Potentially have some more stuff coming for you guys on Saturday's episode. But now let's cut to a quick ad before getting on the other side, where we are going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks roster right now, some pending UFAs, and now Troy Stetcher becoming a UFA as well. So we'll see you on the other side after a quick shout out from Zephyr Epic. And before we go any further, just wanted to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation podcast, Zephyr Epic, Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. We open a lot of hockey cards from them, and you can too. You can use promo code CanucksConvo for $5 off your order. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, so take advantage of that. Again, that is promo code CanucksConvo at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, on Twitter, Instagram, and join them on Twitch every Thursday for weekly case break giveaways. Chris and I have a lot of fun doing these. You guys should check them out as well. We've been having a lot of luck. We opened a lot of Quinn Hughes cards, and now we're doing the DiPietro diving. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram opening hockey cards at random times. It's really hard to find out when we're going to do it because we don't really know when we're going to do it. But be on the lookout for that and make sure you go buy yourself some hockey cards, whatever cards you need from Zephyr Epic. Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. And thank you to Zephyr Epic for being the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. Quads, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Let's start with the good news. Start with the good news? All right, the Vancouver Canucks... Wait, you never start with the good news. Start with the bad news. All right. The Vancouver Canucks have not given a qualifying <laughs> offer to Troy Stetcher. Uh, Troy Stetcher can hit free agency if the Canucks cannot work something out. By Friday at 9 a.m. our time, he will hit the open market, and he'll probably get paid somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people talking about maybe circling back. That's not what I'm gathering from the situation. That's not what I'm gathering from what Jim Benning said today. Uh, I'll pull up the direct quote while we keep talking, but Jim Benning today really didn't sound like there was any chance of Stetcher coming back, which I mean, you know, it, it it's tough. Um, there's a lot of... A lot of people who make some really good points saying, uh, you know, like it sucks that they have 20 million tied up in these bottom six forwards. But now a guy who's, you know, you talk about character in the room. Troy Stetcher's that guy, right? Like yeah. good friends with Leas Patterson, good friends with Brock Besser, really meshes well with the group. Really big part of the team um, off the ice and on the ice. So it, it's tough to see him go for sure. But again, like it, it's also important to remember that he is a bottom pairing defender and that's all he is for the Canucks. That's all he is on a good team. And I mean, the Canucks did need to get better, right? And I mean, I'm I'm going to hold off before I start, uh, you know, like even with the Toffoli thing, I put out a tweet the other day that pissed off a lot of people where I just said like, okay, like Toffoli's going to market, but let's not like write the eulogies yet. Like, and the victory laps, like let's just slow down there. Like if they lose everybody, do whatever you want, like go off, do whatever you want. But, you know, the fact that Toffoli's just going to market, like, you know, he's going to go to market and he's going to test it out. That's fine. They might still circle back on him. That's not the vibe I'm getting with Stetcher. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's tough to see a fan favorite like that go for sure. But again, like, I want to see what the Canucks plan is. Are they going to offer se- offer sheets Chernak? Because if that's the case, I'll take him over Stetcher. Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean... It, but they won't. It's gonna, No, they won't. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be tough to see him going. And I think the reason that Jim Benning kind of talked about it was that in this flat cap, flat cap world, um, arbitration rights are going to be a tough thing to argue with. But the, the thing that shocks me is that they, they gave one to Jake for Tannen. Okay, so thought about that a lot. My, my guess, and I'm just guessing here. I have no inside info on this. I am just guessing, is that Jake for Tannen is going to be part of the Ekman-Larsen trade. And I think that's why he got qualified. Ugh. Because if they don't qualify him, there goes any trade asset you had, right? Like, 
You know, you know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. that's why that's why I think they qualify him because there is no way. Again, if we're talking about character and good guys in the locker room, there is no way after what happened with this whole past season that they're bringing Jake Furtanen back and letting Stetcher walk. Like I just don't see it happening, man. I really think like you know maybe it will happen if the Ekman Larson trade falls off, but. Like, Jake Furtanen's a guy who has some value, right? And I mean, if you're trying to get Ekman Larson, which the Canucks still are, again, we're recording this on Wednesday night. This could be outdated by the time the podcast goes up. And we're going to do another show on Saturday, so we'll see. But, you know, I'm I'm thinking that the reason Jake Furtanen got qualified is because they want to keep him as a trade chip, which I think is a good move, if I'm being honest with you. Like, you don't lose him for nothing. And I mean, it sucks they lost Stetcher for nothing, but losing Vertanen for nothing as well, like then it would be really like egregious. Yeah, I think losing them both would be bad. It's just too bad because I think that a lot of people looked at the offseason and looked at um, the decisions that the Canucks had to make on their right side. And I think a lot of people came to the conclusion that Chris Tanev's time in Vancouver was going to be over um, and Troy Stetcher was going to be the guy that they had to sign because he's a cheaper option. He was a guy who loves to play here, wants to play here. Uh, this is his hometown. This is a team that he supported for a long time. He's, he means a lot to this fan base, and it's a huge loss uh, to the Vancouver Canucks fan base of a guy who everybody seems to love. I mean, he's Troy from Richmond, right? Everybody likes him. He's a guy that can contribute in a top four when he gets moved up into that role. He's a, I think what he is on your third pairing is is a excellent, above average Top of the league, third pairing, right shot guy. I think that's what he is. I think that's what he's going to get paid for um, when he hits free agency. And it's I, I, I don't want to say that it's not going to happen, but I just I find it tough now for the situation because we yeah we've heard that you know the relationship was a little bit soured with Jim Benning not even giving a QO to him. So that that's a tough look. Um, and the fact that Jim Benning blamed it on the flat cap in his media availability today kind of sucked. Like I didn't like to hear that because it's like you know what like. You've you've put them into this situation where they're where they can't sign a hometown kid that every single every single Canucks fan loves. Everybody likes Stetcher. He's a guy who plays in your bottom pair and can move up into your bot into your top four if you need him because of an injury. And you're gonna let a guy like that walk that's liked by every fan, liked by every player, liked by everyone in the organization. He's a local kid, and you're gonna let that kid walk because you're paying money to Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter and Sven Berchi. Like it's it's a bad look. I think in the end, it's a really bad look. It, 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 it like almost pisses me off, but like I, cause I understand why he has to do it, but I think that's the part that actually does kind of piss me off. Cause I understand why he has to let these guys walk because we're looking at the money that he's giving out to other players. And yeah, I think if, if they go out and offer sheet Cernak and that's the reason why, like if Jim Benning has a plan for this, great. And then if he can circle back on Troy Stetcher and free agency, even better. But if he doesn't have a plan and they're expecting Brogan Rafferty to come in and play a top four on the right side, that's not good enough. That's just not good enough. He better like he better have a plan for that right side because if you just let Troy Stetcher walk and you don't have a plan and Jalen Chatfield is the guy that you want to come in or Brogan Rafferty is the guy that you want to come in, that is a horrible decision. This team gets much worse doing that. There's no way that's what they're doing. Like, there's no way that's what they're going to do. If they bring Brogan Rafferty and Jalen Chatfield... What if they trade for Oliver ekman Larson? Then what are they going to do for that right side? They've got to do something. They, they can't have Tyler bring, Myers. They're going to do something. There's no way they come back with Rafferty and Chatfield. I guarantee... Like... I don't know if you want to place a bet or how you want to do. You're this. bringing in Ekman Larson at eight two five. What can you do on the right side? What they're going to do, do something. Them? They're going to do something for sure. There's no way they come in with Chatfield and Rafferty in the in the right side defense. Imagine like, if they do though. They won't. They can't. They will not. Jim they, Benning would wouldn't do that. They would not. Two guys who have two NHL games played between them, and Rafferty has both of them. Come on, man. There's no way that's gonna like. We've seen some questionable decisions, this one being one of them. Sure, whatever you want to say, but there is no way. And you have to remember, Travis Green's coaching this team, right? Like, there is no way that Travis is going to be okay putting both of those guys in the lineup. If if he is, well, I hope Tyler Myers is ready to play 40 freaking minutes a night because there's no way that you can rely on Rafferty or Chatfield to play top four minutes. Like, you just can't. It's I not going to happen. move one of the... You could move Edler or Ekman Larson to the right side if you get that deal done. Like maybe one of them has to play in the top, you know, because you sure. want to have them in the top four. Um, even though Edler's starting to fall off, I guess a little bit as a top four defenseman, but one of those guys could play the right side. So I mean, that's probably fine. Then you have like I don't think a lot of people are talking about this very much, but I'm pretty sure next season 
unless they do get a Cernak or a guy that can actually come out and play with Quinn Hughes. I saw Madison Bowie was um, not, mm-hmm. yep. not given a QO as well, another right shot guy who can play defense and pass the puck decently. Like, if they don't bring in a guy to come play with Quinn Hughes, we're about to get a full season of Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes as yeah. the top pairing minutes, guys. See, and, you know, Travis doesn't like to play people on their off wings, which is interesting because a defense pairing of OEL and Quinn Hughes would be really dynamic. And that'd be really cool to see. I think that'd be a really good pairing. Um, maybe there's some question marks about their own end and how well they can defend in their own end. But I think for the most part, like Quinn Hughes has played in a matchup role with Chris Tanev beside him, right? And I mean, OEL's kind of similar in that he's a veteran presence who's very, very comfortable on the ice with and without the puck. So I'd like, I'd like to see that pairing. But again, like, you're right. Like, if they get OEL, there are some question marks. Like, it it just depends because there's so many variables. You know what I mean? But, like, I will say that I don't see them coming in with Rafferty and Chatfield well, on the right side. Yeah, now that I think about it more, Jordy Ben would probably be the guy that's yeah. sitting in your top four. Yeah. But then again, but that's even Jordy worse. Ben's yeah. sitting in your top four still. That's not on the good. Right side. That's like, not good, That would Chris. be the option that's they'd have good. to do. So, I think that losing Stetcher loses a lot of flexibility to your defense because, like I said, he's a guy who's going to you know, come in and be on your third pair. But if you need someone to step up, he's a guy that can come play in the right side. I think this is I think this is a horrible. This is like the position that the Vancouver Canucks need the most is right shot defenseman. And you have a kid from Richmond, just like a stone's throw away from the Rogers Arena, and you're letting that guy walk because his arb case might get him, what, $3.5 million? Yeah, but that's too much to pay Stetcher. You know that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's probably not. I mean, but he goes to open market. He's probably getting 3.5 somewhere. No, he's not. No, he's not. Troy Stetcher? No. At his age? He's getting two, two, two and a half to three mil. He's not getting over three mil. Well, then come back to Vancouver at two and a half mil. Exactly. That's my problem. Why aren't they looking at this? Why yeah. is it just... I think and everybody's why was thinking it? it's over and yeah. it's done because they didn't qualify him. Well, 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 hold on. Hold on. What, what Benning said today sounds a lot like this is done like and when you look at it from a player perspective like yeah Troy loves his city but when he doesn't get qualified I'm sure that's gonna piss him yeah, off what Jim said today was like I talked with Stetcher and yes. the way that he said it, it sounded like it was the last talk that they'll have that is it didn't exactly say like we're how, gonna continue mm-hmm. to talk or anything here's you know? the quote here's the quote from Benning I talked to Troy this afternoon and explained this is a business decision and it's a tough part of the business he's worked really hard for us and competes it had to do with the flat cap and nothing to do with his play so to me, that just sounds like it, it's he's not coming back, man. Like it was a similar thing with you know what it sounds like quads. What sounds like it's not you, it's me. It's not you, Troy. It's me screwing up the cap. Like that's exactly yeah. what Jim Benning has said. Yeah, jeez, the Troy Stetcher. By the way, this is a good time to plug our Patreon, Chris. Yeah, Hero sure. tier, ten dollars a month, really good stuff, and you get the bonus content if you even join the five dollar tier which is really good. We've had a lot of good content. We do the Faber and Quads shoot the shit. Haven't done one in a bit because we've just been so busy with school and the draft oh, and yeah. whatnot. You it's get a me, crazy week. Me playing clarinet once in a while on there as well. Yeah, that'll come back soon. I'm, uh, I might have, to, like I said, I've talked about it before. I might have to pull a tuba because that's what I played in high school. Yes. If I can get a tuba going again. I had a tuba solo one time at a band concert wow. in Port Alberni and it was the same note. 12 times for 12 wow. seconds. I played, I played 12, one second notes. And like, that was my, it was the same note. And I played, that was like, it was like, it started the whole song off and it was just me on the tuba, just playing this one, like boom, boom, boom for 12 seconds straight. And then, it, and then like, I just remember like the band conductor, is that what they're called? The band teacher anyways. Yeah, he yeah, was like, band teacher. he was just like, he's like, this is your big moment. Like right before we go on, he's like, this is your big moment. This is the tuba solo. And I was just like, <laughs> dude, I'm playing the oh same note 12 gosh. times. So I was just like, I hate this. And I think I left like after that year of band, I just didn't <laughs> want to come back to that. The only reason, um, I don't know if you had this in high school, but the only reason I took band was because you got PE all year long. Did you have this as well? No. Okay, no. So you could going into grade eight, you could choose fine arts, which was like you rotated through a bunch of art stuff. Or yeah. you could choose band, and fine arts was one semester, and then you had PE for a full semester. But if you took band, it just switched every day. One day you went to band, the other day you went to PE for the full school year. So that's why a lot of people took that, because it was like, you know, PE all year long is way better than having it just for one semester. Wow. I really liked PE in grade 8. It, I think I went through a patch where 
I was wearing like jeans and stuff to school and I was like, I don't want to do PE. And I think that was in like grade 11, I'd like to say, but then grade 12, I did weight training and then I would just join the PE class because I'm like, I don't want to lift weights. I want to play basketball and I want to play rugby. My final semester of high school. So like the last semester of grade 12, all I had was a biology class, which was like super easy. Our teacher was like, everybody knew that you were going to get an A in that class. It was so easy. We like, our exams would have like pictures of like SpongeBob characters. And you had to like say what like species they were and like questions like that. It was, it was an easy A. Everyone did it. And then I had... So that was like the one class on half of the day. And then the other half of the day was I just stayed in the gym for the whole time. I had PE 12 and then I peer tutored PE 8. So I like I peer tutored and I had gym. So I would be I would have PE for like four hours every single day straight. And it was the best because like I loved all the sports. So like, you know, playing dodgeball for like four hours straight. So much fun. Grade 12. If you're in it right now. I feel for you because, yeah, you're missing out on a year because of COVID. But Yeah, we were about to say live it up, but uh, you really can't right no. now. Well, actually, I guess they're doing PE. So. Well, then I feel bad. I think I mentioned on the show before, last year, the people that missed their prom and stuff, like, yeah. oh, that's horrible. Those are some of the best times. Where was your prom? Uh, some hotel in Vancouver. It was so that's recent. Creepy. I should probably remember this. <laughs> yeah, you should. Uh, the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle. No, it was definitely the Pinnacle. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it was the Pinnacle Hotel, and then we had the dry grad after. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Uh, I was really excited to leave high school, though. Like, I, I did not like high school. No, I was I, the opposite. I yeah, loved high school. We were very different in that yeah. way. I was very excited to leave high school. Yeah. All right, and that was a depressing moment brought to you by David Codrelli. <laughs> uh, yeah, aside, yeah, aside from that, I mean, we'll get back to some hockey talk here as we... Get to the good news now. Do you want to get there? Or do you want to? Oh, I forgot there was good news. This has all been so sad. There is good news. Saying how much I hated high school. Yeah, there is good news. (laughs) Um, But actually, let's stick with some bad news for a little bit. Before we get to the good news, let's continue. Because not only is Troy Stetcher not getting a contract, it sure doesn't look like Tyler Toffoli, Jacob Markstrom, (laughs) and Chris Tanev are. Quads, what what percentage would you say going into it right now that the Canucks won't actually sign any of these three now. Okay, like, are we at like, that point yet? No, I don't think so. I Well, I don't know. The more I think about it, maybe. Like, okay, let's look at this. Like, it appears as though Tanev is going to get offered, like, a 5x5 five five in Pittsburgh, which the Canucks cannot match and should not match. If there's one thing we've learned about the Canucks right now is that they're be playing a little more hardball than they have in the past, okay? Like, they're not handing out contracts to whoever anymore. Um, you know, it kind of sucks that they started that with uh, Troy Stetcher and, you know, played hardball with Brock Besser. But, hey, it worked. Anyway, anyway, what I'm trying to get at is... Jay Beagle over Troy Stetcher. That's Jim Benning's model. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, you know, they can't, they can't go into this and be like, okay, well, we just, need to, we just need to up everybody's offer because you look at what's being offered in Edmonton and they're talking about, oh, it's going to be seven or six to seven million with term. And it's like... Listen, the Canucks can't match that. They they just can't. Um, and I mean, again, like we talked a lot about goaltenders. You know how much I love to talk about goaltenders? The position fluctuates too much to be giving term to these goaltenders. It just, it's not a good, good idea, especially when you have a guy like Ian Clark who can seemingly turn anybody into a top-end goaltender. So... Man, like, you know Jacob Markstrom's a proven commodity. It's a risk to walk away from Demko, but... Or, sorry, from Markstrom... And ride Demko, but I look at it and I say like, okay, they can't go over everybody's offer. So with that in mind, is Toffoli the only one that we haven't heard some team is gearing up to give a monster offer to? Because the, the problem is we're seeing reports for all three. We're seeing reports from some pretty established reporters and, and yeah, deal yeah, breakers. Yeah. All of them have reported at some point in the past week or in the past couple of days that these three are going to hit market. You've heard stuff that yeah, Toffoli's going to hit market. Are, they you've are. heard Markstrom's going to hit market. And you've heard that Tanev's going to hit market for a long time. So that's why I think that the percentage is actually pretty high, that all three of them could be gone. I wouldn't say high. I'd say like 25. I wouldn't be surprised 25%. I'd say... Like, I would take the odds at one in four. Like, if I could put $10 down and get $40 back, if none of them sign, I'd, I'd make that bet. Okay, I'd say our most likely scenario... Most likely scenarios... Actually, it's a crapshoot because what? Because now they have no right defense, so wouldn't they go after Tanev? And then it raises all these other questions, like what? What is the Canucks' plan? Like maybe they don't bring any back, and they're gearing up to just sign Petrangelo and just throw a curveball at literally everybody. 
which is hilarious because not many, well, a few people talked about it briefly, but we've talked about that briefly and I don't want to get into Petrangelo on this show right now, but I, I feel like the best scenario and you can give your opinion on this is Toffoli's the only one who comes back. I think that's the best thing that sets up the Canucks for the future. I think yes. his contract with what he would get, yes, right, is if they the all least, hit market. Yeah, Toffoli is the only one I would like to see come back. If they all hit market and deals are what we think they're going to be, Toffoli is the only one that makes sense. And also, if some other team's going to give Toffoli money to say, "Oh, this guy's going to be a real good top four, potentially top line or top, uh, sorry, top six or top like line guy for us." Like, you got to see what that money's even like, right? To say, like, okay, well. You know, maybe you, you got to eat it a little bit, but I think the problem is that Jim Benning, and I don't know if this is a problem, because I think that it it's it's something I've argued with in my own head. Like, is this right now the best time for the Canucks to just say, let's go for it? We got Elias Pettersson, very young, still on the last year of his contract where he's not making much money at all. Quinn Hughes is about to do it. Like, it's not the worst idea to go for right now, but the problem is they're almost in the worst situation because of all this money that's tied up in the bottom six guys. Like, the bottom six guys that did diddly squat in the playoffs are taking up a good percentage of the cap, and you're doing it like, like this seems like the last chance. If you can get some guys on some one-year deals... Like Jason Spezza, he just signed for what eight hundred thousand dollars back with Toronto. I thought it was seven hundred thousand. I think it is seven. Yeah, yeah that's. The, I thought the league minimum was higher than that. But anyways, I think it's like seven fifty. Anyway, if you can get some players like that that want to come to Vancouver in a strange year on one year deals, Michael Grabner potentially, you know, guys like that that are now going to be free agents. Like those kind of uh, those kind of ideas, I like. I just don't know if Jim Benning's going to get to those ideas. Eric Cernak, you know, that's a no brainer. Is he going to do it? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to offer Sheet Eric Cernak. It's everything it's is like pointing in that direction. Too. It's like a Absolutely. layup. Absolutely. It's a layup. Like, like Jermo does in NK, NBA 2K21. Like, <laughs> the, that's, that's the thing. I just don't know. Like, there is a way to do this to me. Like, if I were to draw it out and, like, set up a lineup, there's a way to do this, but I just don't think that it's, it's in the realm of possibility for the Vancouver Canucks that they can do it. But it's... You know, I'm ready to be surprised, but I'm not like I'm not I'm not confident that the team comes back as a better team next year than it is this year, unfortunately. I think aside from the natural progression of Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and maybe Brock Besser having an improved season, yeah, I think you're right. Like, In terms can, of actual person go much better for JT Miller. Like straight up. Like can JT Miller get to another level? No, but I, I think he can give you the same output. Yeah, I think he can too if he's playing in a similar situation. I'm not. Like, I'm not he's saying not going to get better. Exactly. Sure, but even if over you get, a point per game, kind even, of if even if you get 70 points from JT Miller over 69 nice games, that's a good output, right? Like you're you're happy with that. You take that. Again, like I'm I'm a, like I'm fully confident in Elias Pettersson. I have nothing but good things to say about this guy. Like I think we're gonna be seeing him grow into a hundred point per game. Or sorry, hundred point hundred points per game. That'd be something. A hundred points in a season. Like I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for Elias Pettersson at all. I think he's so valuable in every area of the ice for the Canucks. Really, he is their most valuable player right now, um, that they have under contract, and there's no no debating that. So it's interesting because, yeah, from a personnel standpoint, sure, the Canucks probably aren't going to improve going into next year. Is the natural progression going to be enough to get them in the playoffs? That's going to be the big question, right? Like, you're going to get better. You're, Elias Patterson's going to get better. Quinn Hughes is going to get better. But is it going to be enough? That's the worst part. Is like, is that, Are they going to be good enough to get them into the playoffs? But the general manager is going for it. But yeah. is the team good enough to get in the playoffs? Is it's still the question that some yeah. people are asking. That's tough. And now actually. he's going to be going for it. You know, like he's going to be have to go for it right now yeah. over the next few yeah. years. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot to like about this team. You know, the young players are the core of this team. They're the good parts, but it's it's really tough to think that with Brandon Sutter, Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, this team can be its best this year. And it just if that's what they're going to go for, I wonder if that hurts. Like, does does a contract to OEL who might, you know, four or five years from now not live up to $8 million? Like, you know, it's it's tough. Like, there's a lot of tough decisions that need to be made. But I think these tough decisions need to be made because of what prior decisions were made. Like, it's not like the players that you did draft and develop are letting you down. 
the players that you went out and signed to help your team get better are not getting your team better. It's the guys that you draft and develop. Like this is why people do rebuilds in certain ways, because if you draft and develop correctly and you load up on picks or you hit on the right amount of picks, your team turns around pretty fast when you have guys like Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes driving the bus. And that's when you start to fill in JT Miller. So yeah, going out and trading a first round pick for JT Miller, who ended up taking Shakir with like the longest last name. Macamadoulin, I think. Yeah, it's actually not that hard to pronounce, but it's like it's, he's got, I think it's 14 letters or something. Yeah, it's just because it's so many syllables, I think. Yeah, but it's like a, a play by play announcer, at least. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Macamadoulin, I, I think it's that. I'm going to look at it. I think JD Burke said that he is like, he's just like not a thinker at all. He's a very Philip Broberg type player. Um, so yeah, I mean, like that's the pick, I think, that went, you know, instead and. You know, fine. Like JT Miller makes his team a lot better. It makes him a lot competitive and he's on a decent contract as well. So it's, it hurts me to say, but like, if they're going to go for it right now, like they, they just, it just to me, like they can't go for it this year. Like they can't go for it this year just because of the contracts that are set up. They can maybe go for it next year. So why not? Like if you're going to go out and make the team a little bit better, bet on some guys that might have bounce back years and one year deals, Michael Grabner, one year deal. Um, you know, Anthony Duclair is another guy who didn't get it. Maybe give him another one-year deal. And then if they work, keep them around to say, okay, now this is the year that we're going all in. Like maybe two years from now you can do it. But going into next year, if that's going to be the year that they push for it, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not confident in it, but I think it, it has potential. Spe- like specifically if you lose Jacob Markstrom, who's your team MVP last year, like there, I don't know. There's just a lot. Like my brain is just bouncing back and forth on what this Canucks team is going to look like next year. Cause like, I have no idea. And if there's a plan in place by Jim Benning, I'd love to see him execute it and, and shock me a little bit. Yeah, man. I, and they have to have a plan in place, right? Like, how confident are you that this... Like, they have a plan in place. Nobody's suggesting that the Canucks aren't going to be cap compliant at the start of next year and they're, they're going to fold the franchise. Nobody's suggesting that. But how confident are you in their plan that we don't really have any signals of what it could be right like we don't really know what it's gonna look like we don't have any pointers we don't have any scoops we don't have anything it's just wait and see and i mean we're gonna find out like people are gonna be listening to this on thursday morning we're gonna find out probably by friday no later than like wednesday next week so two more episodes we're gonna know for sure basically like free agency is gonna be done the thing that people might want to say with the oel thing is like it, it wouldn't shock me to see Jim Benning pull this move off. No, it wouldn't. I just don't know if, like, Thatcher Demko's name's been thrown around in it. Niels Hugliner's mm-hmm. name's been thrown around in it. But Jim Benning can actually make trades for some pretty big names. Like, he, he made a big, like, maybe the uh, the give was still quite a bit, but he got a JT Miller in here who ended up having a great season. He well gave a lot away to a to a guy that brought in Tyler Toffoli who played 17 games for the Canucks and now potentially could walk for nothing. Um. The pro scouting's improved. We've yeah, talked about has. that. We've we've talked about that. And yeah, like Myers, maybe not the best signing long term, but he did improve the Canucks, right? Uh, Josh Levo guy, I've talked about a lot. You get him for basically nothing, and he turns into a middle six forward for you. Those are the players you want to go with right now on one year deals. Like go yeah. out and get them. Yeah, like hey, you yep. want to you want to work your way from. Let's say you come in as a third line guy that we project you as, but if you look good and you have some speed, maybe if there's an injury, you get up to play with Elias Pettersson. If you play good with Elias Pettersson, you play there the whole year. You put up 60 points in a year where you play with Elias Pettersson and, and Brock Besser or JT Miller. So and then I you think get the Canucks paid a can now bet on those guys. Like they yeah. can now say like, hey, you know, one-year deal, Duclair, come over here. Grabner, come over here. Players like that, come over here for a one-year deal. Jason Spezza type deals that, you know, can make the bottom six better. So I, I'm I'm excited for Friday. I'm excited to see what happens. And um, Well... Sorry to cut you off. On the topic of OEL, there's a Friday deadline set by the player to move him, right? And I know Arizona wants to move him. So, yeah, it's it's possible that he stays in Arizona for next season. But after this debacle, do you really want to keep him after all of this? Or are you going to be trying hard to move him? I don't know. I, I think they're going to be trying to move him, man. And, I mean, I, I've thought a lot about this contract. And the only way to make it work, we've talked about, is moving out Erickson or Sutter, right? You're moving out a guy who doesn't help you in your lineup. Let's be honest. I'm sorry, guys. Sutter does not help the Canucks enough to be making that much money. He's just, You can replace him so easily. You just trade Sutter and you get Ekman Larson, who improves your defense substantially. There's a world where you can trade both. What? Like in one trade. Because Arizona's trying to not 
have money that they actually even have to pay to these players. Well, Louis Erickson I know there's, has the two million. I, I know there's Ekman Lar- or sorry, I know there's Erickson with that, but I don't think they're going to take both. I think Brandon Sutter's is the same too. Half of his is already paid. They'd be doing them a huge well. So Brandon if- Sutter adds value, I think, in a trade with Arizona because Arizona has you know potential room for cap space after they move Ekman Lars because they have a high cap. Their cap hit right now is actually pretty high. Like they, yeah. we can't expect them to take on a ton of money, but I also think if you do both of those, like. Like first and second round picks, potentially both, are have to be thrown into that trade. Unless you really have Arizona by the balls. You know, does Jimbo have them by yeah. the balls? That's the that's the yeah. biggest question. And yeah, he might, because if know. there's a deadline. Well, Boston for Friday, backed out, it sounds like. Boston's and, backing out. Yeah, and if they do not want to pay eight point two five million dollars and they like have to move him from the new ownership or the new general managers that come in there, like they gotta move him. Like that's that's what their bosses are telling him to do. If they have to do it. Maybe the Canucks can fleece them. And that's how I've been saying. The only way I could see this deal getting done is if the Canucks can fleece them. Absolutely fleece them. And I think that it's hard because that guy's still making $8 million. So and it's a lot for the Canucks to take and get a fleece out of any. So, like, you know, it's. I feel like the trade that if it does happen, like, it's going to be some video game type of trades. Like, it's yeah. going to be something ridiculous if it actually happens. Because I can't see this being like a clean. Arizona gets value. Canucks get Oliver Ekman Larson deal. I just can't see that happening. Well, here's the thing I want to say about the contract. Because in regular times, I would say, okay, this deal is seven years. The cap's going to go up. So 8.5 isn't going to look absolutely horrible if this guy's on the decline a bit, but he's still playing in your top four, but he's not great. And he's like a second pairing defenseman rather than a top pairing defenseman. Like, that's what I would say in normal times, but these aren't normal times. So... We have no idea what the cap's going to look like in four years. We yeah. there's no sense sitting here. There's rumblings out there of it going down. I know, I know, which would really just oh my gosh! I don't even want. You said you had good news. Can we get to that? Yeah, before we finish the episode, we'll get to the good news. This uh, was the whole bad news episode. Like <laughs> I guess that's the name of the episode. Uh, the good news: the Canucks signed Zach McEwen on a two-year deal, eight twenty-five <laughs> per year. I'm happy that they got Zach McEwen locked up. The big fellas coming that back. That's that's the whole good news that I skipped at the start of the episode. Is yeah. that it? Is we, that all we have for yeah. good news? Are you, what do you think about the Canucks getting that two year deal locked up? I feel like it's a good deal for them. Oh, team. absolutely, it's a great deal. Like that's that's what you want your fourth liners to be paid. Yeah, that's if what, you get Tyler Mott in yeah, a similar deal, you exactly. have a nice fourth line for the next exactly. two years. Exactly, Chris. And that's that's what I'm saying, man. Like that's how you want your fourth line to look. Like you want those guys on it. You want those guys making that kind of dough. On that line, you don't go out and pay $4 million for Roussel, $3 million for Beagle. Like, that's not how you want your fourth line to be constructed. And Sutter, oh, man. Anyways, and, and Louis Erickson. So that's it. That's on the, the good news I got. I'll, we'll wrap this episode uh, up with a prospects report. Uh, Pod Colson uh, played just under 12 minutes. I watched game it. Today. You did watch it today. Had a nice setup to Morozov, but I felt like this was a game where, you know what? He looked more impactful in this game than he did when he's playing 18 minutes. Something about... Um, you know, potentially it's the matchups that he's going up against. He's going up against third and fourth line guys, so maybe that's an easier matchup for him. Um, but he looked more impactful. Like he was driving play. He uh, he was four checking hard. What did you see in the game? That his teammates or his line mates are really not good. Like his line mates cannot generate anything. They don't go hard into puck battles. Like Pod Colson you know goes what? hard I, into the board battles, man. When I tweeted that out a little while ago, when they took Pod Colson off that line and they put the other two up, yeah, they got scored on three times in one yeah. period. Yep. Like, you know, I wasn't joking. Like Proof is line. in the pudding. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing. Morozov is a guy who Morozov just—he's not a playmaker at all, and he's the center that plays with. Pod Colson, he's not great at defending as well. Uh, Marchenko is actually pretty good, but he wasn't on his line today, so you didn't get to see yeah. uh, Kirill Marchenko. But Marchenko's a playmate. He, he's a guy that I like. But Morozov, yeah, he's he kind of ruins the cycle on a lot of plays. But, like, you got to see some forechecking from Pod Colson. What'd you think? Well, the guy's a bull in a china shop, man. He goes so hard into everything. Like, he's throwing hits, and he's making sure they're not late hits, but he is throwing almost late hits like if it was like a half a second he finishes later, them all he finishes every hit and i mean that's something canucks fans are going to absolutely love i mean when i watched him play today it was kind of just like everything i had heard about and everything i'd already known about him now it was just kind of like okay now i've really seen it you know what i mean and i i mean i was i didn't see anything that i was like whoa that's shocking i didn't know that was happening but a nice move though at the blue line there. well i knew he could that do that he's nice. capable of doing that it's yeah. just 
Yeah, I, I loved that. The broadcast was like going nuts and then they kept zooming in on him after. Like when yeah. he was on the bench, they were like, Vasily Podkotsan. They always say that. Like I'll be sitting there watching the game and then it's like, uh, he'll like his shift will end. So I'll like sort of zone out or I'll yeah, look at yeah. my phone, check Twitter. Cause I'm like, okay, he's not going to get another shift for three minutes. And then they'll just like, he'll go to break or like a, a whistle. And it's like, oh, Vasily Podkotsan. And they like <laughs> zoom in on him. Today he got sat on. He was sitting on the bench and number 19. I saw that. Shaq. Chekhov. I uh, thought it was the captain that yeah, sat on number him. Number 19, yeah. yeah. Chekhov or something like that. Um, but he he just like sat down on Pod Colson. Like, yeah, he was, was like, oh, so, sorry, man. And then just moved so to the side. funny. Yeah, that was stupid. I don't know why I didn't clip that, actually, to be honest. It was pretty <laughs> funny. But uh, yeah, it was it was good to watch him. Uh, Niels Huglander in action tomorrow. Yeah. Good morning. Okay, I got to get home early tomorrow then. Um, yeah, Niels Huglander back in action. They moved the game. It was supposed to be on the NHL draft, but I guess a lot of Swedish players were going to be drafted, so they moved the game. Just a few to Thursday. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. And prospects report is going to be a lot of fun. We're gonna we're gonna dive into some of these new Canucks prospects now, and I'm excited to uh, to watch more Finnish games. I like watching Finnish games. They're wide open. So we'll wrap it up there for David Quadrelli. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you very much for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drant. 